This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello and welcome to the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters, Head of Retail Strategy at Acadia. And today I'm joined by Paris Shah. Paris leads Omnichannel Shopper Marketing, Retail Media and Consumer Promotions at Georgia Pacific. Georgia Pacific is a paper company that manufactures household names, including Quilted Northern Toilet Paper, Angel Soft Toilet Paper, Brawny Paper Towels, Sparkle Paper Towels, Dixie Paper Cups and Plates, and Vanity Fair Napkins. Welcome to the show, Paris. Thank you for having me, Kerry. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk with you today. You really have an interesting story within a very large company, really role modeling retail media and the path that a lot of companies need to go down in terms of internal adoption and helping multiple levels of a large organization understand the potential with retail media and have a great story to share there. So really excited to jump in and talk about how you and your team managed to do that you know, over the last few years. Yeah, thank you, Harry. It's uh, it's an honor to join your podcast. It's been a really fun journey over the last few years as we've kind of embarked on the change that retail media has driven across, you know, the media and marketing landscape. And so I'm really excited to share just, you know, the journey we've been on and, you know, what we're continuing to do moving forward too. Yeah, great. Well, let's jump in with what's one or a couple of things that you think Georgia Pacific has done really well with retail media. Let me kind of, you know, give you some background around like you know what really helped us accelerate retail media you know if i think back to 2020 you know we were i mean even prior to 2020 we were developing strategies to win in sort of you know the curbside pickup and you know home delivery fulfillment options per prior to the pandemic but you know covid really accelerated e-commerce adoption in the paper category by 3 to 4 years you know there was a very sizable infrastructure expansion during you know, 2020 just to accommodate for curbside pickup availability, you know, and home delivery. You know, a lot more retailers were looking, you know, for trying to open up, you know, spots for pickup and delivery because, you know, consumers just reluctance to go in store. And, you know, I'd say the paper category was a big beneficiary of that. I'm sure as most of, you know, as most of the United States, you know, knows everyone was, you know, rushing for toilet paper and paper towels. And, you know, because the paper category was a big beneficiary, of that as our product surge throughout the pandemic, we really had to accelerate our marketing efforts to win in the online grocery fulfillment options by really just ensuring you know, we have product on shelf, you know, the right content to communicate our assortment and retail media to support to keep our brands in front of the shopper as they choose what to buy. And so, you know, as more consumers started, you know, to shift to e-commerce fulfillment options, you know, that drove, you know, an a rise in the adoption of retail media within the organization because we had to be, you know, in front of those shoppers as they're closer to the point of purchase. And, you know, this gave GP really the opportunity to just better target our core consumers, key retailers with retail media networks. You know, a lot of our thinking started to revolve around how do we get onto the shoppers list? You know, and then after we get onto the shoppers, you know, list, how do we get into the shoppers cart, whether that's the physical cart or the digital cart? And then how do we make our way into the shopper's heart? Because you know, if they're purchasing us online, then we want to get back on the recently purchased list. They've had a good experience. 
you know, and we're in their heart, they're going to come back and repurchase us. So, you know, I'd say with that being said, like there are a few things that I think GP has done very well with retail media networks. I'd say number one, you know, we've really focused on driving cross-functional education internally, just on the benefits and drawbacks of retail media networks. We've also really, you know, focused on just measurement. You know, given the lack of measurement consistency in the retail media network space, we really focused on developing a measurement framework that was aligned across the organization that helped establish just more clear KPIs to increase both the effectiveness and the efficiency of our campaigns. You know, we also built an in-house team of resources that are more hands-on keyboard to support self-serve retail media capabilities. We have an you know, a programmatic trading team. We've got search managers that give us more control over our campaigns and just real-time optimization and efficiencies. And, you know, finally, I'd say that we've done a lot just in the way of test and learns, specifically just to understand the incrementality of retail media networks for our brands. These test and learns have spanned just a number of different tactics across the retail media space, whether that's programmatic display or a search or even, you know, on-site even going into in-store retail media as well. Wow, that's awesome. I was just making some notes on those big drivers there. I would love to jump into those big drivers there as we continue the conversation, but I'd love to hear about how, you know, the pandemic really spurred action for a lot of CPG brands. How did you make sure that as a leader, you were able to capture that interest and that requirement to jump on retail media, how did you make sure that that wasn't really just considered a flash in the pan? That's a great question, Kiri. So, you know, I would say that with, you know, as more purchasing started, you know, happening online and the retailers were pushing for just more adoption, you know, of online shopping, you know, a lot of what we did was show the brands all the data that was being collected by the retailers. And, you know, in showing the brands, you know, how the data that they were collect that the retailers were collecting and how that kind of underpinned a lot of the go-to-market efforts and, you know, how we were able to improve just our returns by having, you know, more both effective campaigns because of just, you know, improved volume responses from the more targeted, you know, marketing, as well as just having, I'd say, more search. You know, one thing I'll also add, as brands started to see the surge, you know, in our assortment during the pandemic, you know, a lot of what they looked at was, you know, where the surges were happening, what retailers were more advanced in their e-commerce capabilities, and really getting into, you know, the quality of the data for these retail media networks. Data is at the start and heart of every decision we make at Georgia Pacific. And so, you know, as we started to look at, you know, the quality of the data that these retail media networks were collecting, we were trying to develop more, you know, effective go-to-market plans that would enable us to win with the retailers in such a way that we would, you know, then be able to show them how we're trying to create long-term value for the retail partners. Great. So the big drivers that you mentioned, the first one was driving cross-functional education internally. And it's a big question that people, especially within larger companies, face is how to advocate evangelize for retail media and make sure that you're really getting the attention, interest, and also the budget to be able to leverage retail media how you want. So I'd love to get some sort of some philosophical ideas from yourself on that. And then also maybe to whatever extent you can share some tactical ways that you went about that. Yeah, we've been doing retail media or, you know, we've had a retail media team since probably 2017 or 2018 at Georgia Pacific, you know, from, you know, while retail media was still in its infancy and we, you know, kind of looked 
you know, at the space and said that this is going to continue to grow, you know, especially as, you know, you know, cookie deprecation, you know, has been a topic of discussion for years now. So, we you know, we continue to, you know, invest in this area and just, you know, test and learn. But, you know, one of the biggest barriers was truly understanding, you know, what the future of retail media is, you know, is it here to stay and how are retailers going to continue to build their capabilities? And so knowing that, you know, internal knowledge was a big barrier to adoption of retail media. A lot of, you know, what my team focused on was really driving education cross-functionally on what is retail media? What are some of the challenges in the retail media space? You know, what is sort of the current state of retail media? And then, you know, most importantly, because, you know, we're constantly getting, you know, a lot of asks from retailers, it's really, you know, helping our brands and our sales teams understand how to evaluate the retail media asks as well. And so, you know, those were some of the key, I'd say, you know, key planks in our internal education strategy to make sure everyone is sort of on the same page on what retail media is, how it works, and then, you know, how to get the most out of it. You know, if I think about just retail media, it's funny, like a lot of brands and, and sales teams, they didn't realize, you know, that in a lot of cases, the retail media ads and the national media ads will look completely the same. And so, you know, just showing them, you know, what is the difference between retail media and national media, both creatively, but also like data wise, you know, showing them what the differences and what the similarities are, help them rethink, you know, what should that, you know, approach be for us to go to market and how does the retailer fit into our national plans, you know, as we kind of look to build out our go to market strategies as well. That's an interesting point. Definitely seeing more of that attitude with things like Amazon's rights to Thursday Night Football and they're really becoming a media entity in their own right and some education for brands. What I find interesting is both endemic brands like yours and non-endemic brands too, like a car company or a you know an airline or an insurance company that, yeah, this way of the audience targeting capabilities are more advanced, I think, than national TV can be. And the measurement is really great. And just getting outside of thinking that, you know, when you're buying media for Amazon, for example, it's just going to show up on amazon.com or in the app. Right. And, you know, one of the things that we had to really focus on, Kiri, was educating the brand teams and the sales teams on the data piece, right? So, you know, every retailer will come to you, you know, what, you know, and tell you that they've got, you know, this great retail media network. It's the best thing, you know, since sliced bread. But, you know, what no one really gets into is the quality of their data. And so a lot of the testing and learning we did over the last couple of years, and then, you know, as we shared out the results and the data with our brand teams and sales teams was showing them what we did and what, you know, what kind of data the retailer had and what the results were, right? And the results we looked at were both, you know, what the retailer shared with us, but then also, you know, we looked at it in MMM as well. So, you know, we leverage media mix modeling to understand, you know, the effectiveness of our campaigns and make sure that, you know, the investments we're making are the right investments to help us grow our brands. And, you know, I'd say that the quality of the data was one of the big ahas for us in that not all data is created equally, you know, where even the retail media network would talk about, you know, how great, you know, the first party data is. What we found is that a lot of them are not only using first party data, but they're also using third party data and look like audiences, you know, things that we are able to buy on our own through our mm. national media for significant discount to what we're paying for the retail media networks. And so, 
you know, a lot of the time and effort we invested in was really, you know, assessing the quality of the data and then, you know, making decisions on where do we continue to lean in and where do we pull back in the retail media space to make sure that we are making the right investments to help drive, you know, our brands forward. That's really interesting. I like the healthy skepticism (laughs) (laughs) you have been able to sort of adopt and permeate on the team because you're right, there is, you know, and it's not going to stop every retailer and their mother is rolling out (laughs) a retail media network. And even, you know, Uber has a media network. Marriott has a media network. So it's, we're extending even beyond what you'd consider to be retail and they all have their hand out and, Georgia Pacific is a large company that's going to get a lot of pitches. And so developing, you mentioned a framework that you have for assessing these new opportunities so that it's, you know, you're not coming from square one every time you get a retailer or a network coming to you and saying, hey, you know, we've, like you said, think that they think we've got the best thing since sliced bread. Well, let's run it through the model. (laughs) And (laughs) we might have seen this before. Yeah, you know, a few of the things that we really drove in that cross-functional, you know, education internally was that, number one, if you think about just what retailers have to offer versus, number two, what brands want, right? So retailers, they have a lot of site traffic, right? So depending on the size of the retailer, you know, it's millions to hundreds of millions of visitors to, you know, their website or their mobile app. And then, you know, they've also got a lot of great first-party data, but then they've also got the closed-loop measurement and the performance data that shows, you know, how effective the advertising was. And as a result of, you know, that performance data, they're able to help us understand what is the ROI. And we can use that ROI, you know, to back into, is this a more effective spend versus, you know, a trade or like, you know, a merch event. But then at the same time, you know, our brands, they want to leverage retail media to strengthen, you know, their joint business plans and their JBPs with retailers. They also want to engage shoppers you know, reaching shoppers closer to the point of purchase is very critical, you know, for all CPG brands, but they want to do it in such a way that they can engage shoppers and build their equity right before that consumer decides what to purchase, you know, whether it's at the physical shelf or digital shelf. And so having, you know, the ability to attribute, you know, ROI to specific tactics is critical. So I think retailers have a lot to offer and brands have a lot of what retailers want, but, you know, part of our education really revolved around, you know, some of the key challenges that still exist within retail media networks. So, you know, first of all, like, you know, what we found is that, you know, CPMs, it can be two to three X, you know, a lot of our national media alternatives, right? And so making sure, and that's where, you know, data became very critical for us to understand, you know, where is the good data available and where it's not available? Because if we're going to pay a premium, we need to make sure that the premium we're paying is for the value of the data and not just because it is at a retail media network. You know, the other thing we found is that because retail media is not a core competency for most of these merchants, the solutions that they're developing and offering could be, in a lot of instances, you know, subpar to what's available in the marketplace. And then, you know, as I mentioned, we've been testing learning in the retail media space, you know, for quite a while now. But what we found is that a lot of the smaller retailers also really lacked meaningful scale in yes. driving, you know, their capabilities forward. And we've test with large retail media networks to very small retail media networks. And you know, lacking the meaningful scale, I think, was one of the tough challenges we ran into. And you know, that limited us from moving forward. But that's where we're also, you know, trying to work with retailers of all sizes to understand how can we help them scale their solutions 
regardless of how big or small the retailers are, to really create joint growth. The other thing you know, that was a big barrier to internal adoption was measurement. Measurement is so inconsistent, Curie, across all retail media networks that it really became tough for us to assess how effective a campaign was. You know, I would have two or three different retailers come to me and tell me you know, like what their ROAS was, which by the way, I think ROAS is a very obsolete metric. But, you know, they'd come, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they would come to me and tell me how you know great it was. But what we found even after digging into is whenever we, we would challenge the retailers on just, you know, the incrementality, what we found is that their incrementality methodologies were also inconsistent as well. So right. you know, w- without measurement being consistent, it really, you know, prohibited us from, you know, leaning in as we wanted to. And because of the measurement being inconsistent, we actually found that a lot of retailers are kind of grading their own homework. And as they're grading their own homework, you know, we found it that like I've never had any retail media network come and tell me that their campaign was not effective. The more right. you dig into it, you find that there was some cases it was a great campaign. In some cases it was not such a great campaign. And so well, they grade their a own. great campaign by what measure as well. I mean, there's different, you know, exactly there's different measures of success. You could be looking for efficiency, or you could be looking for reach, and yes. the metrics there are going to look very different. Exactly, and you know, it was because of the inconsistency, you know, in measurement and the retailers creating their own homework that we actually developed an entire measurement construct internally for retail media to make sure that you know everyone in the organization is sort of on the same page around how we approach KPIs and measurement because that's the only way that we can overcome you know the retailers telling us what the you know performance is versus us jointly determining what you know the performance is and really setting benchmarks and you know making sure that everyone's on the same page about the KPIs. I'd love to understand also since your role oversees omnichannel shopper marketing, retail media and consumer promotions, so that's conceivably like the trade, you know, trade media as well. At a lot of companies, I see those two things sort of being in opposition to each other, but that Amazon advertising spend, for example, is taken from a trade media budget. So there's a little bit of like, you know, reshuffling across lines here. You oversee both. So I'm curious what your perspective there is on, you know, keeping some trade media, how you think about allocating between those two buckets, if you will, between like what's typically like a sales bucket and what's typically like a brand or a marketing bucket. Yeah. So, you know, I'd say that. So retail media sits within the omni-channel shopper marketing organization. And, you know, the main reason why is because retailers, you know, since retailers are selling their media and the media is attributing to sales of the retailer, we're looking for the retail media networks to help improve our sales and share positions at the retailers. And, you know, in general, I think it's important for retail media to sit within, you know, the shopper marketing organization because, you know, investments in retail media are meant to drive, to your point, the reach and frequency. And most importantly, we look at it, you know, in helping drive conversion among our target consumers and shoppers, all while ensuring messaging and campaign alignment throughout the funnel are consistent. I love that. Yeah, like I think it's imperative for those in charge of retail media to partner closely with the sales organization. You know, my team currently, you know, we sit, you know, between the brand teams and the sales organization. So, but at the same time, you know, my team works very closely with, you know, their, you know, sales counterparts and then as well as with, you know, our brand managers because 
it's important to make sure that you know that you can ensure your retail media investments are aligning with the sales objectives for the specific retailers. And you know, the other thing I'd say is that it's also important that retail media partner very closely with the analytics team as well. You know, so you know, to your point around like it being a form of trade media, like we don't look at retail media as a form of trade investment. It truly comes out of you know our shopper marketing, you know dollars because we look at it from the standpoint of how do you you know as i talked about a little bit ago like how do you drive reach and frequency how do you drive conversion among those target consumers but do it in such a way that it's consistent you know with the big ideas from our national media campaigns and the messaging you know that's out there and sort of that message we're driving throughout the funnel and you know coming back to just you know the analytics team. What's important is that not only are you working with sales and with your marketing counterparts, but you have to work very closely with the analytics team because you know, like the analytics team is going to help you really determine how effective each retail media network is at driving business. And from there, you know, you're able to determine is the retail media network, you know, worth investing in, you know, what tactics within their offerings work, and then where do we lean in? You know, there are some retailers where you know we look at it and say, okay, of the ten different tactics that they offer, only two make sense for our business, or three uh, tactics because of just the fulfillment options that they offer, the quality of their data, and so that's what we really want to focus on. And we you know we couldn't do that without a partnership with our analytics team. Yep, that's great. I've got one question for you: is the you've got an internal team that's obviously has been a conscious decision working really well for you. How do you, so the argument of like working with an agency in some cases is access to best practices, you know, at an agency, the retail media, the media buyers are working across a number of different accounts, different industries, different platforms and sort of sharing best practices and new ideas with an internal team. How do you replicate that? How do you stay, you know, stay connected with best practices? Yeah. So, you know, that's a great question here. You know, that's something we've debated for a while is, you know, like what route do we go in that sense? And, you know, as I mentioned, like, you know, we built an in-house team of resources that are hands-on keyboard, right, to support our self-serve capabilities. You know, we've tried to go self-service as much as possible for a few reasons. Now, number one, having hands-on keyboard allows us to be very agile and drive change very quickly, right? If we see something performing, we're able to, you know, to make changes very quickly in order to make sure that you know we're continuing to deliver on where the results are and continue to optimize. And so, you know, we've intentionally chosen to do most of this in-house because we feel like, you know, the amount of agility that we have, as well as you know, our ability to test and learn is a lot more efficient. We do a lot of testing and learning that helps us develop best practices around what works and doesn't work, you know, for our business. You know, and in terms of testing and learning, you know, that's where, you know, we've got, you know, a framework set up to do, you know, a lot of just lean experiments, you know, try to address, you know, identify the problems to solve, you know, create hypotheses, develop, you know, test plans and go execute and then determine very quickly, you know, how performed, what we learned and like what next steps are, right? And so that allows us to define and refine what those best practices are. I also stay very connected, you know, externally as well. So, you know, I do knowledge shares with, you know, a lot of, you know, friends at agencies as well as, you know, counterparts at, and friends at other CPG companies just to see, you know, what they're doing, how they're approaching it, you know, what they're learning. And, you know, what we found is that a lot of what we're learning 
is very consistent with you know what the best practices are across the industry and in some cases you know we learn that you know there is a best practice out there that we never explored and so we'll go put it to test right and so at the end of the day i think that you know in developing best practices a lot of it comes back to just you know testing learning given that this is still you know a very new space for a lot of retailers and if you think about the rate of innovation in the retail media network space right now the rate of innovation is so fast that by the time you develop a best practice and deploy it's almost become obsolete so you have to be very quick and nimble and agile to continue to you know define and refine those best practices in order to make sure that you know you're sort of at the cutting edge of the retail media space hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Sounds like you're very intentional about that and going outside of your organization to, you know, check with colleagues what's going on, what's working for you. And like you said, something that might be working for a brand in an adjacent category may not really work for your brands as well. So you still do need to test it. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, if you think about the shopper, you know, at the heart of all of it, the shopper you know, purchases different categories in different ways. Like, you know, I've tested, you know, ways that, you know, experiments that have worked for like the food and beverage category does not work for the paper category and vice versa. You know, I've shared with some folks in other, you know, categories, like what works for us in the paper category and it doesn't work for them. And so a lot of it comes back to how do you really identify, you know, the shoppers purchase barriers and try to, you know, and that's where it comes back to the problem to solve, right? Understand the problem to solve and then figure out how can you best address that through the retail media network space. So we're running up on time. I want to make sure that we get to whatever topic was a particular passion for you before we have to jump. Definitely. You know, I'd say that a couple of things that I'm really passionate about. So number one, I'd say that omnichannel shopping habits boosted by the pandemic, they're here to stay. You know, as consumers just continue to shop across multiple fulfillment options, they adopt a blended shopping approach. You know, I had heard a very interesting stat, which was that the shoppers who shop between both in-store as well as e-commerce spend more in total with the retailers Mm. than the in-store only shopper or the e-commerce only shopper. And so, you know, as I think about just the way that people are shopping now, I myself, you know, and my family were prime examples of, you know, we shop across multiple fulfillment options based on what we need, when we need it, and how we need it, right? And so reaching consumers across every point in the consumer journey is even more critical now than ever before, just because you have to engage with those shoppers, you know, whether they're buying in e-commerce or in brick and mortar. And just knowing that the systemic shift that e-commerce is bringing to how people shop, you know, in a blended approach, what excites me is just the transformation and integration that the organizational structures at you know CPGs need to undertake to really be successful in the omnichannel world. Just as the customer journey, you know, like it needs to be jointly owned by all functions. So you know whether it's brand marketing, sales, you know, consumer and shopper insights, or finance or supply chain, like every function plays a critical role in ensuring that we are able to deliver consumer experience that will keep. The shopper loyal to our brands, you know, we've developed a, you know, a new brand building framework internally called Living Our Brands. And a lot of it, you know, comes back to just, you know, the transformation and integration that needs to happen across organizational structures in order to get everyone to be, you know, fully vested in helping deliver a consumer experience for our brands. If you think about it, you know, consumer insights and shopper insights, you know, they do research that identifies insights that will need to be addressed in the consumer's path to purchase. And the shoppers is key purchase barriers. 
brand marketing, they're critical in building brand equity and increasing residence among shoppers, right? Supply chain plays a critical role in ensuring that the product is available on shelf or can be shipped to the consumer's home. And then finance ensures that the brand has a product portfolio and an investment plan that can create value for, you know, our company and shoppers and retailers. So if you think about this, you know, it's like, you know, it's Amazon's whole, you know, concept around the flywheel. Every organizational function is involved in fueling the flywheel. And so people talk about the flywheel, but there has to be an organizational shift in how every function lives our brands in order to truly deliver, you know, an omni-channel shopping experience that will keep your shoppers engaged and loyal to your brands. That's great. That's a great point of view. Thank you for sharing that. I wanted to also hear before we jump as well about a couple of predictions that you have for retail media. Ooh, that's an exciting question for me. A few things that you know I've been discussing internally, you know, with, with my counterparts as well as externally as well, is in terms of you know where I see sort of the retail media network space going over the next you know, one to three years. I'd say you know, number one, I think that there's going to be a continued proliferation of retail media networks, just as retailers collect more shopper data by driving just more mobile app downloads and digital shopping. So you're going to see, you know, retailers of all sizes, you know, getting into the retail media network space. I think I see like a new retail media network being announced like every week, right? Yeah. But then at the same time, as the retail media networks are building out their capabilities, they're going to start offering a lot more you know, tactics and capabilities. They're going to start, you know, moving more upper funnel as well. So this proliferation, I think is going to continue. Next, I think there's just going to be an increased focus from the retail media networks on improving measurement capabilities because you know every company is asking for just better tracking of key KPIs, and you know as you know like as different companies develop you know their measurement methodologies you know they want to make sure that you know to your point here earlier on they're focused on both the effectiveness and the efficiency and how do we make sure that the measurement helps drive the incrementality to improve the effectiveness and do it in a more efficient way. I also think there's going to be increased adoption of clean rooms by retail media networks as you know there's going to be just more shared data in the clean rooms that enables tracking across retailers and large buyers with you know with third-party retail media networks. You also think CPMs and cost per clicks are going to come down because that's a key driver of what's preventing, I think, a lot of brands from leaning in with their national media dollars. Every retail media network is trying to, you know, to capture a share of the national media, you know, bucket. But I think that it's very cost prohibitive right now in a lot of cases. And so I think you'll start to see a lot more of these retail media networks focusing more on the efficiencies and investments. And finally, I think in-store retail media is going to be the next frontier on which retailers hmm. really develop their retail media ecosystems. You know, the focus, you know, so far has been primarily in the digital space. But, you know, if you think about just the amount of site traffic and you compare that to the amount of, you know, foot traffic in store, there's significantly more foot traffic in store versus the amount of first data, you know, first party data that the retailers have. And so I can foresee a lot of retailers getting you know, developing just in-store retail media capabilities over the next couple of years as well. So that's another area I'm really excited about to explore and just better understand how that, you know, how that works, how it's built out and how it fits for our brands as well. Wow, those are some great predictions. We might have to have a follow-up, Paris, to talk about some of these because I agree with you on all of these and love to hear, you know, track these predictions as they shake out. Thank you so much for joining me. I have learned a lot. I'm going to go back and re-listen to this episode when it comes out. I don't always do that, but I loved (laughs) your comments on how you actually managed to get more widespread adoption and buy-in of retail media within the organization. I loved your comment about, you know, the barrier to 
national media dollars being limited by the CPMs. That's a really interesting point. And your predictions were super interesting too. So thank you for coming on the show and sharing your point of view with us. Thank you for having me, Kiri. You know, it was a great conversation. And I think what you're doing in terms of you know, helping to strive, you know, knowledge and education, you know, in the space with your podcast is great. You've got some great, you know, speakers on here typically, and you know, we'd love to stay connected as well. Just to better understand what you're seeing across the marketplace and how we can, you know, continue to partner together. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Paris, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I'd say email. Just email me. I think would be the best way to get okay. in touch with me. 